Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome back. Today I'm joined by Claudia Petrilli, who's also known as Health Coach Claudia on Instagram. And we're talking all about mental health. So Claudia is a functional health coach who works with busy women to balance their hormones naturally so that they can improve their monthly cycle, energy and mood. She struggled with her health issues as far back as she can remember, including digestive issues, irregular painful periods, headaches, insomnia, depression and a pituitary disorder. After years of not getting answers from her doctor, she decided to take control of her health by adopting a holistic approach, changing her food and lifestyle habits. The majority of her symptoms improved and she realised how passionate she was about teaching other women who were struggling as well. She received her training through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Institute for Functional Health Coaching, a mentorship with women's hormone expert Maria Claps, who's been on the podcast before, and she continues her education to stay up to date with all things hormone related. Through comprehensive hormone and stool testing, she creates a customized protocol to help women make healthier swaps to their food, lifestyle, and mindset, while still being able to indulge every now and again so that they can feel and look their best. Claudia works with clients privately, as well as in her membership, the Healthy Hormones Hub, and in her upcoming group coaching program, The Hormone Rescue, So if you're interested in this and you want to be notified when it's released, be sure to join the waitlist. In this episode, we discuss conventional versus a functional medicine or holistic approach to mental health issues like anxiety, depression, potential downsides of antidepressant drugs and other medication that people may not be aware of, some of the underlying root causes of these mental health issues, which can include birth control pill usage, poor gut health, environmental toxins, nutrient deficiencies, stress, hormone imbalances, even food sensitivities like gluten. How much Claudia thinks genetics are playing in these conditions versus lifestyle and epigenetics. She also shows many free things that you can do to improve your health and mood naturally. And Claudia really shared a lot about her experience and health journey in this. So I really want to thank her for being so open. And I really think you're going to enjoy this podcast and be sure to share it with anyone who you know who's struggling with mental health issues. Please note that we're not giving medical advice as always with any of these podcast episodes. We're just sharing that there is an alternative route potentially, um, but please do not discontinue any medication and speak to your practitioner before implementing any of these changes if you are struggling with mental health issues. Okay, so let's start the podcast. Hi, Claudia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I've been wanting to have you on for a while now because you're in my group of kind of um, practitioners and women's health advocates on Instagram. So I definitely want to chat with you today all about mental health because I know you're passionate about this subject and it's something that a lot of 
women are struggling with so we can never talk about this enough on the podcast and today we're going to cover some of the potential root causes or drivers of conditions like anxiety depression um and that could be things like trauma birth control pill usage gut health we're going to cover as much as we can today but before we get into all of that could you start by sharing a bit about your personal health journey or how you got into women's health because I actually haven't heard this before so I'm excited yeah absolutely um so where do I begin (laughs) Um, I mean I I grew up with health issues so I from a very young age I remember um I dealt with chronic constipation (laughs) so digestive issues Uh, I had headaches insomnia and I started menstruating when I was 10 years old, which mm. was not expected. Um, and it just all kind of went downhill from there. So um, I had really awful cramps every month, very, very heavy periods. And as a result, I became anemic. Um, and then as I got older, I had um, thyroid nodules. I had cystic breast. One of them I actually had to have removed. Um, depression, which I really wasn't aware of until many years later, but we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, and then at the age of 31, which was what, 37 now, so six years ago, I was diagnosed with a pituitary adenoma, um, specifically a prolactinoma. So it overproduces the hormone prolactin. So that was my health journey, if you will. Um, and then, but even prior to the prolactinoma being diagnosed, because of all the health issues I had, I think when I was when I got out of college that I met someone who was actually studying to be a health coach. And I had no idea what that was. Um, But I just started learning. I was always very open minded to different things, especially because I had been struggling for so long, not getting answers from doctors, um, not feeling any better. And this was all before I even hit 30. And I just remember thinking like, this can't be my life. I can't feel this way all the time. Um, and you know, she just opened my eyes to what food and lifestyle, like the, the roles that they play. And I just, I started making changes and within a few months felt so much better. Um, not everything was solved of course, but I just remember feeling so much better. I had lost weight. That was another thing I had gained a lot of weight. And I just became super passionate about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why don't more people know this? Why aren't doctors telling us about this? And, and that's when I decided eventually to go back to school and become a health coach. So for you, I know you've probably done your health timeline and listed everything out and th- thought of all of the potential root causes and like epigenetics even. But for you, what do you think the main reasons that you developed all of these things? I, pr- I know that you probably can't, know for sure then it's a multitude of things rather than just one root cause i know that i always talk about the root cause but there's always multiple things involved um but maybe like a handful of things that you think could have contributed to you developing some of these issues um i think well i had i must have had food intolerances growing up i mean just the chronic constipation alone i mean that I think, and you know, as I'm an Italian, I'm Italian, right? So what was some of the stuff that we ate a lot was pasta and cheese and, um, you know, a lot of bread and and, cheese, mm -hmm, cheese all together. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and my, I mean, my mom cooked everything from scratch, but we just, we didn't, they didn't know any better. Um, and I do believe I had food intolerances that were never 
um, realized. No, you know, no doctor ever asked like, what do you eat every day? And um, that was part of it. And I think, you know, genetics play a role in terms of, um, you know, certain things that maybe my parents had that was passed on. Like my mom always had digestive issues. Um, but we could talk about genetics in a bit because I don't think that's the end all, that's for sure. Um, you know, I also think it had to do with stress, the digestive issues. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home. So my dad was an alcoholic and, you know, you don't think of things like that, but obviously having a parent like that every day, I mean, it does a number on a, a child and that probably was why I had some at least digestive issues and the insomnia, um, that kind of stuff. But then, you know, getting my, my, starting my period at such a young age, think that had to do likely and all the now of course I know you know years ago I didn't but all the symptoms that I had I, I believe I had some sort of estrogen dominant issues um, and I'm sure that had to do with my environment you know the products that we were using the foods we were eating you know like I said my mom cooked from scratch but she wasn't buying you know grass-fed beef or anything like that so um, you know I think it's a little bit of everything like you said there were multiple causes what do you think is going on as well with especially people who are Italian, uh, who have grown up and the family and the and genetic lineage have eaten wheat and pasta for hundreds or thousands of years? Um, why is it that you think that people are, are now just developing some of these food sensitivities? Because some people, like the old people in Italy, they're fine, they live to over 100, they're happy, they're healthy, they've got no chronic diseases. Like how is that different to someone like you who may have an underlying gluten sensitivity? <laughs> Probably moving to being in this country. <laughs> True. I mean, you know, I think, yeah, and I, I hear that. Like my grandmother, she was born in Italy. My parents were born in Italy and they used to say the same thing to me. You know, we used to eat this stuff all the time. We never had any issues. And it's like, it is a very different world, one, um, in terms of stress and the other environmental things that are going on. But just the way that they, the, the food that is, the way it's processed here is so different than there. I mean, you know, you can go to a bakery in Italy, at least years ago, I don't know now, but you know, they used flour, they use like four items, <laughs> four ingredients to make bread. Whereas here you buy bread and there's like 20 ingredients in it. And it's all these additives and added sugar and, you know, things that a lot of us are just, I don't think anybody is tolerant to. So, you know, and then the stress and environmental toxins it leads to leaky gut and then you know it's just it's just like a, a surplus of things happening and for a lot of people they really notice the difference because of the pesticides that are used and like gmo the fact that mm -hmm. it's so mass produced in the Absolutely. u.s and some people who have gluten sensitivities in the u.s they travel to europe and they're like oh i can eat the bread absolutely fine i have zero problems um and i know that there is some debate as to whether everyone is gluten sensitive so that's another factor as well but I do believe that it's likely due to these epigenetic changes because as humans we should be able to like eat anything really and right. be the scavengers like there would have been times where we would have to eat leftovers and rotting carcasses and things and we would have been absolutely fine or there would have been weeks where we didn't have any food so we should be very adaptable but I think it's now the modern world and glyphosate and some of these chemicals that are being sprayed on our food and in our air pollution that's causing us to be more reactive it's just filling up our stress or toxic bucket i like that analogy 
And with the approach to um, your health, so you had the hormone imbalances, the digestive issues, and the home, the um, kind of thyroid issues as well. How does the approach differ from like a conventional medicine approach to more of a holistic or functional medicine approach that someone like you or me would um, tackle it with? Yeah. So I remember going to different doctors and, you know, just trying to figure out why I was, <laughs> was having all these health issues. And no, like I said, nobody looked at food or, you know, environmental toxins or, or genetics. Nobody did like a, a genetic test. Um, I mean, I don't remember even having that conversation with anyone. Um, and what they did was they gave you, they give you a pill for an ill, right? So it's, it's just this topical solution where it's like, all right, well, you're anemic. Let's give you an iron pill. You have pain. Let's give you a painkiller. Um, your hormones are imbalanced. Let's give you birth control pill. And that, that's what I did. That's what I took. I didn't know any better. My parents didn't know any better. Whereas what I've learned from a functional perspective is we try to understand what the causes are of these symptoms, because that's what they are. They're symptoms. Um, and getting to those root causes so then we could make some changes and improve the symptoms. Um, and that's essentially what I, what I did for myself. And I mean, it, well, it made a world of difference in my life. That said, though, like even some nutritionists and functional medicine practitioners are still in that mentality. Like, let's mm -hmm. just swap a, um, ibuprofen for uh, turmeric and let's just swap the antacid that you're taking for slippery elm. And mm -hmm. that's better because they do come with less side effects, but kind of still doing the same thing. And it's known as green pharmacy. Um, yeah. You actually want to dig a little bit deeper and rather than looking at the tip of the iceberg looking underneath and seeing right what's actually going on because it could be a slippery slope once you start on one medication you end up on another one to offset the negative side effects and with antidepressant drugs in particular because we're going to talk about mental health today yes they're amazing and can save lives in certain situations um but the problem is that they're not really addressing the root cause there's some debate as to whether the chemical imbalance theory is accurate or not but people aren't really aware of the negative side effects um, that could potentially come along with antidepressants. So would you just cover maybe some of those things and, um, and then we'll yeah. get into like what can be done about it naturally? Well, I mean, it's similar to, to most medications where they, they can be considered a toxin and you're putting that in your body long term. Um, a lot of these antidepressants don't really work long term. They kind of stop working. They could affect your gut health, which we're seeing more and more, um, you know, studies and just a lot of research on that where it all, it all starts in the gut, right? Everybody says that. And it, there is a lot of truth to it where if you have things that have not been addressed, leaky gut, nutrient deficiencies, pathogens, infections, and so on, you're not going to, it's going to affect your mood. And, you know, when you're adding these medications to that and they're now, causing deficiencies of very important nutrients, that's a problem. Um, and I see this, I've seen it with my own family members, people who have taken antidepressants for years and their health is just, it's a mess, unfortunately. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that's, that scares me, I think more than anything, is that a lot of these antidepressants can cause even more issues or, you know, the suicide rate, it, you know, a lot of people have experienced suicidal thoughts when they're on these antidepressants. Um, it's just, 
I'm not anti-medication by any means. I do think it serves, there's a time and place for it, but I just, I don't believe in this lazy, I don't even like to say the word lazy, but it feels like it's lazy medicine where we're just giving medication out willy-nilly without educating patients on what the side effects are um, or looking at what else could be causing this and really pushing a preventative mindset, whereas, okay, what can we do to make you feel better every day? Um, So... And I do feel bad for conventional practitioners or doctors because they literally get in the UK. I know it's like less than seven minutes per consultation. Mm-hmm. You're in and out. It's a revolving door. They have 50 people a day that they need to see. The workload is through the roof, the stress. They've probably got health issues as well. And you can't expect them to dive into your whole health history and um, tell me about your childhood or what's your diet like? What do right. you do for exercise? They're not going to cover it anything like that so they want to help you they are trying to help you they're not trying to make things worse by any means but that's the that's the problem because they they can't dive into this so they just want to give you something to make you feel a little bit better sometimes they do help but sometimes they don't and a really good book that i love and a practitioner is um, dr kelly brogan and mm-hmm. her book a mind of your own yep. that's amazing it's all studied as well and referenced at the back there's like literally pages and pages of references so i think everyone should read that especially if you or someone you know is struggling with um, mental health concerns and for you as a child like with the stress that you were going through do you remember at the time like feeling that so i know that you had that constipation and sometimes that could be due to stress and food intolerances as we mentioned but do you remember at the time that affecting you or is it just when you look back and just thinking like how how did I get through those situations I think just looking back Mm. I'm like wow that I I don't remember I honestly don't remember I just remember feeling pain all the time having to be rushed to the hospital because I would get these sharp pains in my side and my back and my parents just didn't know and so what would they you know you go to the hospital and it's like the acute care they just give you like a laxative or a painkiller and that was like on repeat in my childhood um so and how does stress affect the gut? So physiologically, kind of what's going on? Kind of like shuts everything down. <laughs> You're in this fight or flight situation. You know, you, I often tell people, you know, when you're, when you're eating, a lot of folks say, oh, it starts when you're chewing. It starts in your mind. Like if you are, I think you posted something recently. You were watching the news while you were oh, eating. Oh, yeah. That was yesterday. Yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> My I stomach's still in knots after yeah. trying to eat that meal and, and I was watching <laughs> stressful news. Right. And we all do it. I mean, I remember when I used to work in corporate, I would sit at my desk working and eating my lunch. It's like, you're not paying attention to, to the food. You're not able to chew your food properly. You're, you're rushing through it. Of course, you're not going to be able to not only break down the food, but absorb the nutrients from it. So that's, it's just like a, it's a vicious cycle. And I always recommend mindful eating. So moving away from your desk, if you can go into kind of a, um, a lunchroom, if you've got one at your office or even outside would be amazing. If it's not like minus 30, like it is in <laughs> probably New York and um, England, but that you'll get in like a two for one there with the sunlight and just being away, mm-hmm. not associating your workspace or your bed with eating, just try and slow down, chew your food, like very simple stuff that your grandparents probably were telling you about for years and you ignored them but it's because it actually works and it makes a huge difference 
and you need to be in that rest and digest mode to actually benefit from the food because you could be eating like the best meal in the world taking all your supplements but if you're stressed and eating that's one of the worst things that you can do and then we do know now that there's this huge gut brain connection connection and in some um cases it's known as the second brain and i really agree with that and some people are actually saying it's maybe the first brain because there's so many messages sent and it's so crucial to our health and you said at the start that gut health is everything everything starts in the gut like why do you believe that Um, I mean, if you're not getting the proper nutrients that, are, and, and we need nutrients in our body, right. To, to do all these different functions, like minerals, for instance, minerals, I feel like are so overlooked, especially in conventional medicine. Um, if you're not getting your magnesium, your zinc, your iron, all those things from your food, it's going to affect your health. So, I mean, that's like the first thing I work on with clients is it's like my first question, what do you eat every day and how do you eat? Are you rushing? Are you driving? Um, you know, and nutrition, nutri nutrient deficiencies play such a huge role in, you know, hormone imbalance and just anxiety and depression. And I see it with a lot of clients. So I swear doctors only think there's iron deficiency, B12 deficiency and folate deficiency. They check those three because they're tested in blood. Whether the reference range is good or not, that's a whole nother story. But when you start to mention about zinc and manganese and chromium, the just like, no, that's not real. That her test that you're doing isn't real. It's a waste right. of money. So the body needs like hundreds of nutrients every day to build your neurotransmitters and clear things out once they've been used. Otherwise your body can't function optimally. And even if you're eating an amazing diet, the soil quality yes. isn't what it used to be either. And um, so I think most people do need to supplement, but you need to work with someone to figure out which one is best for you personally. Mm -hmm. Another driver of mental health issues, anxiety, depression, those types of things would be other medications like the birth control pill. And um, so we mentioned about the antidepressants and also another one is antibiotics. So that kind of mm. ties into gut health, like we just mentioned, but birth controls it, pills in particular People go on them to help with the skin, which in turn could help with the mental health. Like if the acne is causing depression and they right. go on this pill and it clears up, then amazing, like I'm happy for you. But some people go on the pill and then maybe not right away, but six months down the line, they start to get this anxiety out of nowhere. And because it's been six months since they started it, they're never going to connect the medication that they're taking to the birth control pills that's the common issue that i see but how do you see birth control pills affecting someone's mood well it could deplete key nutrients right folate b vitamins again those minerals that are really important like magnesium selenium zinc um it can cause inflammation in the gut long-term use that's going to affect your microbiome your bacteria um that, that, I mean, that's really what I see. And a lot of these women that come to me, like they have been on the pill and myself included, I was on it for about 13 years. <laughs> um, yeah, 13 years, mm. um, you know, and it was very convenient. You know, it's, we're told that it's, it's this, it's convenience. That's exactly what it is. Um, and we don't realize that long-term, the long-term effects of it. Um, and, you know, I personally had a leaky gut 
in addition to, of course, which I have, I didn't really get into, but I, uh, I was a vegetarian for many years. So I was missing, I wasn't vegan. So I did have some animal foods in my diet, but not enough, not nearly enough. Um, and I was eating, you know, a lot of gluten at the time. I didn't know. And so it was like a double whammy. I was on birth control pill, <laughs> on the birth control pill for 13 years. I wasn't eating the right foods. My, my gut was a mess and it took me years to repair it. And I'm still repairing it, um, you know, many years later. Yeah, and people think like, oh, I'm off the pill now. Like it'll be out of my system in a few weeks and I can just start trying to get pregnant. And some people can achieve that. But there's a lot of people, it takes years to recover unless you're doing like a, a proper protocol to get through that. And right. for me personally, the first birth control pill I took was Dianet. And that's one of the highest strength estrogen ones or estrogen on the market. And within days, I was like very depressed and I've never struggled with mental health before. And wow. because they told me that, oh, it's going to help. It's going to be the best thing. It's going to help clear your skin, stop your hair loss. I was trying to push through it and it was actually my mom who was like, no, you're very depressed. Like I can't put up with this. So I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll be fine. So she was the one who forced me to go to the doctor and get it changed. So I swapped it over to another one called Yasmin and my mood was better on that. But then other things started to develop. So my gut became very sensitive. I developed food intolerances. I started to get really bad leg cramps and um, pains because of probably magnesium deficiencies, potentially blood clots, who knows. And then I had a similar thing, like a, a double whammy of being on the pill and getting food poisoning whilst in the US and being really stressed because I was over-exercising and under-eating. Yep. So sometimes the pill isn't the one thing that tips your health over the edge. It's just one of the, one of the factors. And then some other things hit. Maybe you lose your job or someone in your family dies maybe you get food poisoning um, and that could be the trigger and it's that common thing everything changed at this point or I was never well since this year that's a common thing that happens and I see the the hormones as well people think oh I'm low in progesterone so I'm going to go on the pill to give me progesterone but that's not the same as what our body produces naturally is it no it isn't (laughs) no it isn't yeah yeah, uh, I think it, the body knows production of hormones, and especially for these women like myself who were on it. You know, it's like you. I went on it. I think I was seventeen at the time, and I mean, at that point, I was past like the the puberty stage. <laughs> um, but there's girls, women going on it when they're fifteen, sixteen. Like they haven't really developed. They haven't produced all the hormones, and it's like they go on it for years and years and they come off of it in their thirties because they want to get pregnant, and it's almost as if their body reverts back to when they were that age, 15, 16. And it's like, okay, pump the brakes, lady. We need to figure out what's going on here. I, your body wants to produce hormones naturally and you just stopped it essentially for however many years. Um, it's, and, and it doesn't happen for everyone. And I think that's part of the conversation where there are so many people that are like, oh, I've been on the pill and I'm fine. And I got pregnant really easily. That's wonderful for you. But unfortunately there's a whole world of women that are not having that experience. And that's why we need to continue to talk about this it's not fair for all these women to be to be struggling um and to be ignored essentially depends on your health status going into the pill as well like if you were totally fine it's an organic diet didn't have any childhood trauma then went on the pill looked after yourself then you probably wouldn't experience symptoms whereas if you had ibs since you were five years old and 
you had your tonsils out, you had recurring infections every year, then went on the, the pill, you're probably going to be the one who struggles. Um, I had PCOS before going on the pill and thought, oh, it's just going to have cleared up when I come off. But nope, it was actually worse than ever because PCOS is actually worsened by the birth control pill, which is yes. ironic. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I hear that often from clients as well who have it. And it's, it's interesting because so many women are not diagnosed. Um, but you know, just getting back to even the whole depression thing, that was something that I definitely started to see more and more as the years passed that I was on the pill. And again, it could have been because of the deficiencies that I was experiencing. It could have been some trauma in my life. Um, but I remember at one point, and it was actually, it was like around the time that I was starting, I wanted to come off of it because my period had stopped. It just stopped. <laughs> and I remember going to the doctor or my gynecologist and she, she kind of laughed and she said, oh, women would love to not get their period. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah. I mean, talk about steam coming out of your ears. I was so angry. Um, cause I was like, well, this is not normal. I've had a period all my life, even on the pill. And like, wow, all of a sudden did it stop? And I remember at the time just being really frustrated, but being so depressed that I said to my boyfriend, I just looked at him one day, I had tears in my eyes and I said, I just want to die. I just want to die. Oh Oh, yeah. It was pretty bad. Um, and he, he of course freaked out. He's like, Oh my God, like what's happening. And I mean, he knew like I had struggled with depression a bit. Um, and I just, it was almost a, it was a wake up call for myself. And luckily I was present enough to know that this is not normal behavior, that this is not how I should be feeling. And that is when I was like, now I'm getting a second opinion. I'm coming off of the pill. I'm going to do whatever I can. And that was around the time that I actually became a health coach. So I was even more awake <laughs> at that point, like, oh my gosh, I need to change my life. Um, and luckily I went and got a second opinion and we found out that I had a pituitary adenoma. Um, so, and you know, there have been some there's some research out there saying that that could have been linked to the pill. And I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say anything because I, I don't know for certain, um, but it's something that I'm still researching, trying to figure out. So, Are there any other symptoms that could point towards this being a problem or is it just something that's picked up on a routine blood test? Uh, what, the prolactinoma? Yeah. Oh, so not getting a period, high prolactin. Um, some people experience weight gain, depression. I was reading about that recently, how um, high prolactin can cause depression. And they say like, you know, post uh, when women are, you know, when, after they give birth, a lot of women are experiencing um, postpartum depression. It could be because of the rise in prolactin as well. So, yeah. And sometimes the um, kind of breast milk production as well, when you're not pregnant. Oh, yes. Be another yes. one. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't have that, luckily. Um, But yeah, some women do experience that. And, you know, they're not pregnant. They're like, why why am I producing milk? It's so bizarre. Um, But yeah, I haven't experienced that. And even for depression as well, sometimes people don't think that that's something that they're dealing with because they maybe have had friends or loved ones who have really struggled and they've maybe cared for them and they think, oh, I'm not nowhere near as bad as that. Like, I'm not struggling that much. But I remember at one point as well, um, Googling, like, am I depressed? So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know anymore. Like I'm, I feel some symptoms, but I don't know if this is considered depression. I don't know if I'm just being, um, a hypochondriac, but are there any like symptoms that would indicate to you that someone is depressed or like things that you've experienced that 
because obviously low mood but are there some other things that can um, indicate depression or like go alongside depression as well yeah well it's funny you say that because i never realized i was depressed um and i actually there like people in my family all a lot of people in my family experienced anxiety um we had some people that had depression but i always thought of myself like that you know i was a stronger person and that i didn't have it but i always felt this sense of melancholy where I never got excited about anything, like nothing really, I never had like a really happy mood. Um, and we used to kind of joke around, that was my disposition, that I was sarcastic, that, you know, I kind of was just like, you know, laid Pulse back, if you will. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but then, you know, I remember talking to a therapist at one point, and I did go for therapy at one point in my life um, for quite a while. And uh, she said to me, it sounds to me like you're depressed. And I was even, I was just kind of taken aback, like, oh, I guess, I guess I never thought of that. But, um, you know, so anyway, to answer your question, some other things were, yeah, like just this constant melancholy, not getting excited about things, not really having any passion for anything. Um, Of course, anxiety, sometimes those are, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, Not being motivated to do things, not wanting to take care of yourself, uh and fatigue fatigue could just be yeah yeah. don't Mm -hmm. want to get out of bed don't want to exercise and exercise is like the best thing for mental health but you're just in this vicious cycle where you don't want to leave the house you're canceling plans all the time and that could actually cause some stress in relationships did you ever find that at some point like you were arguing with your partner or um, you Uh, lost some friends (laughs) not so much the depression i think well, definitely when I was on birth control, I had those mood fluctuations, like those mood swings where I was very irritable. Um, so that for sure. And I actually just wrote a post on Instagram recently and I joked around. I said, sorry to, to some of my ex-boyfriends. <laughs> I was it wasn't not, me, it was the pill. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, it wasn't me, I swear. Um, but yeah, it definitely. And yeah, even just depression, of course, that's going to affect your significant other because many times they don't know how to how to, how to handle it. Sometimes they want to fix things, but they just, they don't know how. Um, and it's hard to get out of that where you're sometimes, I mean, and I don't know that I was, I mean, I was low at that point, like I was mentioning earlier, but that was like a kind of a blip in time. It wasn't that I felt that way for so long, but you know, there are people that I've seen in, in depression and you can't, you cannot get out of that hole. It is so hard. And that's why I continue to talk about this. And even though it's an uncomfortable conversation, I want people to know that they, they do have control and there is support out there. And how do you find a good therapist? Because people are like, oh, I've tried therapy before. I was referred by my doctor and I hated it. Um, some people talk therapy doesn't really work for mm-hmm. because it's like bringing up the emotion over and over again. So what are your, some of your favorite um, recommendations or remedies first steps for someone listening who's struggling to turn to oh gosh that's tough because yeah i know it's not like oh let's just pick a therapist in the book and just go try them out i mean yes of course that's one way to do it try just try somebody and see if you like it or or not but i'm also a big believer and this may not be great for everybody but realizing that somebody else may not be the one to to save you, quote unquote, to help you. Yes, I of course believe in coaches and therapists and, you know, getting support from uh, from others. We all need that or a community. Um, But also realizing that 
you, you're the person who ultimately is going to heal yourself. Um, and that's going to be through mindset work. It's going to be through meditation, cleaner eating, you know, reaching out to a friend or, you know, confiding in somebody who, you know, you can trust. Um, and I know that's scary because so many people don't want to admit that they they're depressed or that they're struggling in some way. Um, but you know, somebody I love and I'm sure you, you follow her is, you know, holistic psychologist, um, mostly because she, she speaks a lot about that, how you have control and you have to self parent yourself. Um, but Anyway, I think, I think a community is, is probably good for some folks and, and it really depends on you. I mean, if you're, you're more comfortable with one-on-one, -on -one, then sure, I, I would look for a therapist. Um, you know, there's, there's other things if you don't like the, the traditional therapy setting, like um, what is it called? Brain spotting. Um, I can't think. I just lost my, what the other one is, but brain spotting is another one. Um, I've not heard that before. So it's like a group thing or something that you do at home? No, it's you do it with the therapist. There's certain therapists that are uh, educated on it or certified in it, but it's where I know my sister tried it and she found an immense, I mean, she really did very well with it, where they essentially, it's like they use a light, some sort of light that they use. And they basically, they put you not not it's not hypnosis necessarily, um, although that could be beneficial as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of similar to that where they kind of put you in this state of mind where you have you're forced to remember or focus on a memory of a traumatic experience, and it brings up a lot, of course, and you know you can get very emotional over it. Um, it's not for everybody, but if you're open to it, it's something to to look into, especially if you experience a specific trauma or maybe an ongoing trauma. Like I mentioned, my sister and I, we struggled, we had an alcoholic father and she definitely struggled with that. Anxiety was a result of it. Um, and you know, it's, it's just going back to those instances. It brings up these memories that maybe you, um, you know, that are kind of like in your subconscious. So it's a little creepy <laughs> because it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't remember that situation or I don't remember that happening. But those little events over time can have an effect on us. Um, so it's, it's really doing a deep dive into kind of like your psyche um, to, to uncover what's going on and, and address it. There's a difference as well with, um, I call them big T's and little T's. So traumas, there's obviously mm -hmm. the big things like um, rape and abuse and neglect. People sometimes just think of those things as traumas. And then when you start to talk about, do you have any traumas from childhood? They're like, no, no, my childhood was pretty good. But then, when you do mention, oh, there are some of these little teas that um, having an alcoholic parent, um, just not feeling seen, feeling like you're, you don't live up to expectations, being bullied, uh, moving a lot as a child, um, maybe your parents were in the military, those things are considered traumas as well. And it all depends on the person and how you interpret and perceive that stress. Everyone's very different. One situation isn't inherently inherently stressful it's about how it affected you personally so um people think like how does something that happened 30 years ago um as a child like affect me now and i know that's hard for you to answer but kind of what's going on in the body and how how is that still stressing the body is it in the subconscious mind yeah so i'm trying to think of an example so, like and you, what you just said about how a lot of people think like oh i had a great childhood or you know 
I didn't have any traumas, but even something like having a parent who was a perfectionist, that can really weigh on you. And as an adult, you become a perfectionist. So you put this added pressure on yourself. Um, and that's something I saw in myself. I like to give examples because that's at least how I best, can, yeah, definitely. it's relatable. Um, for instance, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, he failed at it, unfortunately, because of his alcoholism. And I'm an entrepreneur. And I started to see over the years, I put so much pressure on myself to succeed because he didn't. And I didn't mm -hmm. realize that until a couple of years ago when I just started, I just started noticing little behaviors that I had and how I was really overworking myself. And I was trying to understand, like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting so much pressure on myself? So I did a little bit more, more deep, you know, some mindset work, you know, just do kind of a deep dive on myself. Um, and, you know, it was very apparent as to why. And it was because I didn't want to fail. I had a lot of fears that I didn't want to be like him. And, you know, because people used to say things like your dad was like this and you don't want to end up like your dad. So um, I think that's kind of what's happening. And I don't know, for me, I think what I actually use, and this is just getting back to your question earlier about like another um, thing in addition to just like talk therapy, tapping EFT mm -hmm. that I find to be really beneficial for some people if they're open to it. Um, I found that to be extremely helpful for myself. There's a lot of YouTube videos and tutorials and it's free, accessible yep. to everyone and um, it really does work. So you start off by like scoring your stress and anxiety on a scale, do a few rounds of it and there's been stresses for me that's gone from an 8 out of 10 to a 2 out of 10 in 5 minutes. So it really works. But obviously, if it's a longer standing trauma, you need to be consistent with that and work out your brain like you work out your muscles at the gym. It needs to be consistent and repetitive. Um, yeah, I love EFT and there's like EMDR, is it? The eye movements. I've not tried it, this before, but along with the talk therapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, there's a ton of things. So if you've tried one, don't rule all therapy out as being something that won't work for you it's just about finding the right person um some of the therapists offer like a free call um like some nutritionists and practitioners do just to make sure that you're on the right page and they can help you in your situation so maybe that's worth looking into as well and i'm curious do you think that mental health issues are on the rise or do you think it's just because we're becoming more open and talking about our feelings more do I think they're on the rise? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> um, For what reasons? Just the modern day living. It really puts so much stress on us. Um, but I, I do, I am hopeful that there's this awakening um, because of people like you and I, not just because of people like you and I, but people who have gone through this stuff. Um, they're starting to, they're just demanding more of their healthcare and they're demanding more of themselves and, and not giving up and not just saying, okay, this is my life. Like they want something different. They want change. Um, but I think, you know, with the rise of social media and, um, you know, the toxins in our environment, the, the poor food quality, all of this just compounds and it does affect our mental state. Um, and, you know, all these medications that keep coming out and that doesn't seem to be going anywhere, unfortunately. And that scares me that people are so, are so quick to jump to medication. And, you know, I don't want to just blame conventional medicine. I think there is a huge personal responsibility component where 
folks are not compliant. I mean, you can go to a doctor and your, you know, your doctor may say to you, you got to start exercising more. You have to start eating healthier. And, you know, there's a lot of patients who just don't want to do that. And they want that quick fix. They want the pill. So what is a doctor supposed to do? Um, so it's, it's a little bit of everything. I think we all collectively need to open our minds and be willing to make the, these necessary changes. There's medication even in the water now. So even if you're not taking any medication, if you're drinking unfiltered mm -hmm. tap water, there's residue of antidepressants, birth control pills, all yeah. sorts of things in there. So that's the thing. It's just the world that we're living in, the fact that we're not connected anymore and our genes expect us to be around people and connect yes. and be outdoors. Everyone's stuck in cubicles in a dark office with people right. they hate and jobs <laughs> as well. Like, do you work with people who like literally hate their job, but they're trying really hard with their diet and lifestyle? Um, Cause I know I do. And that's like the thing that's really holding them back. Yeah. And I mean, I experienced that as well. I, I was in several jobs that I hated, but um, yeah, I have some clients who their, their job is their number one stressor. And, you know, and I said to them, I mean, I recently had a client and I said to her, have you considered looking for another job? Have you considered changing careers? And I mean, she kind of was taken aback. And I said, listen, you've got all these health issues we can, I can give you every supplement in the book. We can talk about organic produce, all this. But if you're going to a job that you hate every single day, that keeps you up at night, that you dread going, and you can't even enjoy your weekends because you're dreading Monday, how is any of this going to help? Like this, it's like the elephant in the room. Like you're mm -hmm. really not going to address the situation. Um, and that's where, that's where change comes in. And, you know, a lot of folks, unfortunately, are fearful of, of change. Um, but... Yeah. And what do you think of night shift work? So at the moment, like oh, it, we're recording so never in the time of the coronavirus. So I'm yes. very grateful to the nurses and um, kind of ambulance service who are working nights. But how does that affect our mental health? Oh my goodness. That one's so tough because you, <laughs> that's how somebody's, that's their livelihood, right? They're, that's how they, they pay their bills. And, you know, there are jobs and of course I applaud them and I admire them. And I'm so grateful for them for the work that they're doing. Um, but it does, it does a number on your circadian rhythm. You know, I, I talk about this often with my clients, rising with the sun and settling with the sun. Um, if you're not doing that, it's going to disrupt your hormones, right? And then that in turn is going to affect your, your sleep, your mood and everything else. Um, so it's tough. I mean, for those people, and I did have a client recently who she had, it wasn't so much as a night shift, but she would be working until like midnight or so. So she, by the time she got home and would eat dinner or whatever, it was like one o'clock in the morning that she's going to sleep. And you know, I said to her, do, do focus on the things that you do have control over what you're putting in your body movement, you know, and she was overdoing it with, with her exercise. And I said, this is not great for your cortisol. We need to get you to a place where you're doing safe movement. I am absolutely on board with, with exercise, but you need to not overdo it. If you're already disrupting your, your, your circadian rhythm, your hormones, you know, because of your night shift work. Um, so I don't know, I try to tell people, focus on what you do have control over. The effects on our hormones is huge with circadian rhythm. Like if you're sleeping in all day and not getting outside and going from your home to your car to your office and back, never being exposed to sunlight, that can really mess with your adrenal health and cortisol pattern and 
even your menstrual cycle length and as women like we're very connected to the sun and the moon and um that can really affect ovulation and those things and even with mental health and hormones like having a low thyroid function can Mm -hmm. sometimes be the one thing that creates depression and anxiety so thyroid hormones and adrenal quote fatigue and low progesterone levels these are some other hormone imbalances that can um that can drive mental health issues and i know you work a lot with hormones and women's health so what would your approach be to like what are your some top recommendations for hormonal health uh just overall like where to start yeah yeah Yeah, so like Uh, with if someone has depression and low mood and it's just figured out that she has a thyroid issue, like where would you start? Cause we've just mentioned like genetics and gut health and nutrient deficiencies. People are probably listening. They're like, Oh my God, right. This sounds amazing. Like there's some answers and hope out there, but where the hell do I start? Yeah. Where do I start? I always start with food. I always start with food. No matter what somebody comes to me with, I'm like, what are you eating every day? Let's start there. Um, I think because that's, it's pretty easy. I don't want to say easy. It's not easy for everybody, but it's somewhat easy to change. We can look at your, your diet and make some tweaks fairly easily. Um, you know, that's the first thing. And then we look at their sleep. What are you, how much sleep are you getting? What is your, your sleep schedule? Like I I mentioned circadian rhythm, you know, are you getting up in the morning and are you looking at your phone or are you going outside and getting some sunlight? Um, I mean, I push that constantly. Um, it's, it seems like such a simple concept that I think people just can't wrap their brain around it. It's like going outside in the morning, getting sunlight is going to make a world of difference. And they just don't understand that. I'm like, listen, it's really that simple. They're like, yeah, what about this like fancy superfood though that I've been yeah, reading about? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, that's great. I'm all about supplements. I'm all about these superfoods, but you need to do the basics. Make sure you're sleeping seven to nine hours. Make sure you're eating high quality foods. You know, if you can afford organic, you know, meat, grass-fed beef, as many fruits and vegetables as possible. Um, it's like we've become so afraid of even just things like fruit. You know, people have demonized it, and I'm like, there's so many nutrients in fruit. And sure, you don't want to be eating fruit all day. But don't never eat fruit, you know. It's it's like people are eating all these Franken foods, this fake stuff because it's low calorie or low fat, and we've just gone so far off from nature and what nature has intended. Um, so yeah, I stick with the basics with folks, um, and then of course I, I recommend testing. Um, you know, I do believe in functional testing, like the Dutch test. Um, you know, right now I've started doing more gut testing, stool testing. Um, I used to just recommend it all the time to clients, but you know, a lot of folks can't get it from their doctors or they're doing these, these stool tests that are from like, you know, they're just so old. They don't really actually tell you any, anything useful. Um, so that, and, you know, of course, yes, getting the proper labs, like you mentioned thyroid you know, so many people have thyroid issues and they're not even aware of it because they do go to their doctor and they're not getting the proper tests done, or they're just looking at TSH. They're not looking at, you know, your antibodies or reverse T3. Um, so yeah, getting, getting proper testing done while making these basic fundamental changes is, is where I typically start with folks. Agreed. I had a client yesterday and um, she's like, yeah, I've had my thyroid checked. I've had a stool test and everything's fine. All my vitamins are fine on my blood work. And I'm like, are they though? And she sent me copies and they were just checking for like inflammatory bowel disease and giardia. So some of these like big nasty parasites. 
her thyroid um, was out of range so I think her TSH was a three which is considered fine conventionally but not what we would consider fine so there was many imbalances there and you could just see how if she was left in just a conventional medicine model that she'd keep going back year after year and things might start um, looking a little bit worse but they can't really do anything until it goes to that that point where they can diagnose you and give you a medication so we want to try and prevent that whole 10 years in some cases of them waiting and just feeling worse um, year after year we want to intervene and actually get things optimal as soon as possible and my next question was going to be like what are some of these free things that people can start implementing right away you've just mentioned a lot of them so some of the things i'd recommend as well getting outside um the mindful eating we've touched on sleep moving your body it doesn't have to be a fancy gym membership going for a walk and take that outside as well so you're getting your exercise and your sunlight circadian rhythm support um breathing exercises yeah meditation oh absolutely exactly breathing it can it can make such a difference especially for women who are experiencing anxiety um you know that's something i see a lot that that's alongside depression like just breathe (laughs) let's do a breathing exercise together sometimes you just like catch yourself like holding your breath like if you're doing an email you're like oh i'm not actually breathing right now (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah try and not let that happen because breathing deep and slow like tells your body that everything's fine i'm not gonna get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger right now um just calms the body down especially if you're starting to get that anxiety palpitations racing heart you can really just slow it down and stop it from getting any worse yep and then my last few questions for you claudia just to know how you stay hormonally healthy so the first one is what's your go-to breakfast my go-to breakfast i have a few um i always start my day with matcha i'm a big matcha fan yes (laughs) me too (laughs) i think i've become known for that on instagram i'm like the matcha girl yeah, I was um, trying to do like a 30-day without any caffeine and I can't watch your stories because you're just like <laughs> pouring it in and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I know, but that's my quote-unquote vice, but I feel like it has so many benefits that kind of... Yeah, why do you love it so much? Mitigate of, the, uh, <laughs> the caffeine. Yeah, so tell us the, the benefits why you love your matcha as opposed to coffee. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I was addicted to coffee for years when I worked in corporate. I used to travel commute into Manhattan and I would get to my desk and I would have my giant mug of coffee with my bagel, <laughs> all good, all good things. Um, and then I would have one in the afternoon and then I wouldn't sleep at all at night. And I was a complete stress ball and I was moody and I, I wondered why. Um, <laughs> but I remember actually when I, in the, during that time I tried matcha and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I had no idea what the difference was. And then I went back to coffee. Um, but matcha, I love it because, you know, it helps, it supports detoxification. I mean, it is good if you, you know, if you can't get things moving in the morning, but that's not all. Um, there's antioxidants in it. Um, just green tea in general is so beneficial for us. It helps with mood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's L-theanine in it, which is um, kind of like nature's, I don't want to say nature's Xanax, but it really helps to, to calm you. Yeah. It gives um, you that think- nice energy buzz without the mm-hmm like any like the yeah like the jitters from coffee like gives you a calm nice stable energy which i love as well yeah it tastes good and it's it's pretty and green yeah it is (laughs) and you can add stuff to it to make it a little more palatable some people think it tastes like grass 
uh, which is funny. But you know, I, I do tell people if you do, and with any sort of tea, whether it's just regular green tea, black tea, try to buy organic. You want to avoid the pesticides because um, you know I do get that from people like, oh, aren't there pesticides in matcha? And I said, well, yeah, like any tea. Um, so look for high quality, pesticide free, um, shade grown, typically from Japan. That's where I, I would buy mine. Are there any brands that you recommend? Uh, I've tried many. Some of them, I just, even the higher quality ones, I just didn't like the taste. Um, right now, I liked, uh, what is it? Terrasol is one that I like. Um, what's Have you tried the, um, there's a common one in the US that everyone's pronounced. It's like the peak tea. Have you tried that one? Yes. Is that good? Okay. Yeah, we can't get that in the UK. It's a little more pricey, and and matcha is is pricey. Um, but another one is pure chimp. Yeah, that's the one one I use. I like that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, they also donate. Yeah, (laughs) so I like that. Um, they're animal advocates like myself. So, yeah. Um. Oh, and then in terms of breakfast, I mean, besides matcha, I typically will do like a pretty high protein breakfast. So I'll do like duck eggs. Um, sometimes I'll do bacon. Sometimes I'll just do, you know, the duck eggs with, um, like a complex carb, maybe like some sweet potato, uh, you know, cubes or mm-hmm. like some plantains I like to do. And typically I'll do some avocado. I like to get some fat in there. Really helps to sustain my energy and my mm-hmm. focus throughout the day. Yeah. Sounds like my kind of breakfast. And I love the combination with plantains and eggs. Mm-hmm. Just mush it all together. And it's amazing. Yeah. And people are like, what do you eat that for breakfast? I'm like, yeah doesn't have to be granola and orange juice it can be whatever you want it to be that sounds really good Mm -hmm. what's one herb nutrient or supplement that you couldn't live without i couldn't live without Hmm. probably uh, probably magnesium okay that's the classic (laughs) Uh, i mean i know everyone says that probably um it's just it helps for so many things. Um, I just find so many of my clients, like they're, they're amazed when, when mm-hmm. we put them on a, a high quality magnesium supplement. It's like, wow, you know, it helps with cramps. It helps with headaches, tension, pain, anxiety. I mean, it just really is one of those star minerals that is so undervalued. Someone told me the other day that it helped with her dry skin. I'm like, oh, I oh, didn't wow. know. I didn't really <laughs> think of that benefit. I never yeah. heard that specific one before, but oh, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yours is magnesium and matcha. You couldn't live without yeah. those two. Yeah, I couldn't live without those. Right. <laughs> and just recapping like this whole episode on mental health, like what's one piece of advice that listeners can take away from this? Oh my goodness. Um, you have so much more control than you think. And I say that to everyone. Um, because I think we've been led to believe that we don't have control over our, our health. Um, and we really do the foods we eat, every, everything we put in our skin, in our body, on our body, um, the thoughts that we have, all of that affects our health. And we really do have control over it. Um, if you're open-minded and you're willing to make those changes and you're in it for the long haul, you can, you can heal yourself. I do believe in that. Agreed. And it's never too late. So if you feel like mm-hmm. you're in the depth, depth of depression right now and it's been 10 years since it started, like it's never too late. Your body, given the right environment and building blocks, it really can do wonderful things. So love that final piece of advice from you. And um, very last question is where can people find more from you online? So um, Instagram and how are you working with clients at the moment? 
Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Health Coach Claudia. I have a website, claudiapatrilli.com. Um, I work privately with clients. Um, I also have an online membership, Healthy Hormones Hub, and I have a group coaching program that I'm starting actually in April, um, the Hormone Rescue. So, few ways. <laughs> yeah, and I will link all of those things in the show notes. And yeah, I just want to thank you so much for your time. And it feels like I've really got to know you. I think we've been on like some deep, um, deep subjects in this. So yeah, thank you for being so open and honest. And I really think the, the listeners will appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and you would love a free copy of my hormone friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review. And I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain, and refined sugar-free recipes, and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods. Don't worry, there are no boring salad recipes included. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Viva Natural Health, as I share a ton of free content every day, and you can get to know more about me and how I stay hormonally healthy. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk, for my blog and many free guides, which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss. If you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, hair loss, or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrollment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.